I'm Linda Van Falkenberg. And I'm Ron Gore. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Co Parent Academy, Academy Podcast. Podcast. Welcome. Today is episode four in our five episode series on uh, improving communication with your children. And to continue with some of the background work that we're going to have for our final conversation about how to have conversations with your children about the process to the extent that you should, which you shouldn't, uh, we're going to talk today <laughs> about the four primary parenting styles, because uh, this will be mentioned probably a couple times in uh, one of our segments here. And so when you think about the four primary parenting styles, really what we're talking about are different points in a continuum of responsiveness and demands. Uh, so, Linda, could you start to walk us through these parenting styles? Yes, and I also kind of want to put it in context for our listeners, too, in terms of there are so many things that affect the goodness of fit between a parent and a child. And sometimes it's just each each person, the parent or the child's personality traits, uh, but then uh, at the child's developmental stage, of course, we've already talked about that. But the parenting style of the parent and how that meshes with the child's personality and developmental stage has so much to do with your child's preference to be with you or not, how your relationship with your child is going to be for the rest of your lives. It just does. It cannot be. Uh, I, I don't know. I think sometimes people forget about it. They don't know about it. They minimize it. It's huge. It really is. Yeah. And how, for the purposes of this specific conversation, how they're going to communicate with you, what they're going to feel comfortable saying or not saying, and how they're totally. going to receive what you're saying to them and all of those things. Very much so. And I, I think the one probably to start with would be the authoritarian parent and, uh, then we have the authoritative parent, the permissive parent, and the uninvolved parent. So those are the four main styles. If you, as our listener, wants to start thinking, okay, you know, which one do I think I fall into? I've heard of this before a little bit. Um, then um, we'll give you more details about each one of them. There you go. So starting off with the authoritarian parent. Um, tell us about this person. They tend to be strict and inflexible. Think maybe like kind of a military style. Um, lots of expectations, uh, lots of supervision, demanding uh, of obedience. Um, I I can hear a parent of. Uh, one what, what of the things that children tell me frequently that are, are it's a phrase that they really don't like to hear uh, is the parents say, it's my time with you. So they're very demanding of the child to, you know, realize that no matter what is going on with the child and the child's life at all, it's about them having their time with the child. Uh, they're, discipline of the child will be very punitive, uh, sometimes very frustrated and angry. 
they're not not empathic with the child. And in general, this this style is not very effective with any age child. I mean, you're going to get different responses with different age children. Uh, if you have a child that is pretty uh, confident in themselves, that's gonna you're going to get a lot of arguments and talking back and um, acting out behaviors. Uh, if you're this style of a parent, if you are. Uh, if you have a child who's very anxious or shy or quiet, there you're going to have a lot of fear factor coming uh, from a parent acting like this with that child. So when we talk about this sort of continuum of demands and responsiveness, this authoritarian parent has, places high demands on the child, but is not very responsive to the child's needs or concerns. And so it's hard to steer the ship properly when you're just imposing the direction without taking any consideration into how it's being received. So that's why it doesn't really work. And the child uh, just doesn't feel like they can really do anything right. Maybe. And they feel like, um, why even bother? You know, they're going to demand that I do whatever they want anyway. And it doesn't matter what I say. Right. Had a child the other day that a uh, little uh, girl that she's now an adolescent, but she's played softball for many years and uh, at her under her dad's expectations. And um, she said, I asked if she was still playing and she said, oh, no, he ruined that for me. I, I can't I can't even go near a baseball or a softball field. Oh, so, thing. yeah. Okay, so let's go to, um, well, let me ask you this. What do you think is sort of the opposite of the authoritarian parent? Well, probably the other three are all opposites. In different ways. Yeah, Yeah, you could just be not there at all. You You could be extremely permissive or you could be authoritative, which I would imagine most authoritarian parents would think is pretty opposite. I don't yeah, know if for that's sure. what you had in mind. I was thinking the permissive because, you know, if we're thinking about this continuum, we've got the authoritarian parent who has high demands. The permissive parent has low demands. Authoritarian parent has low responsiveness. The permissive parent has high responsiveness. Right. So in my mind, I kind of view them as being on opposite ends of both spectra. All right, let's go for it then. Yeah, so tell us about the permissive parent. Well, they tend to be very nurturing and affectionate, but they have either few boundaries, limits, or their boundaries are pretty fuzzy, kind of depending on the situation. And uh, they are the parent that will say, we're really friends. You know, my child and I are friends. Or the child will tell me, uh, my mother or father and I are best friends. And so they rather prefer not being considered as the parent, but more just the buddy with the child. And that's kind of hard for a parent to hear, I think, because if you're sitting there and you're like, well, my child says that we're best friends. Does that mean I'm doing something wrong? How do you respond to that? I think you might want to check yourself in terms of, 
several things. Do you demonstrate for your child that you have peers that are your friends? Hmm. Do you um, involve your child around those peers? And do you um, allow the child to have peers who are friends? I've known children who have said that to me that don't have their own peer friends. Hmm. Well, because then that would interfere with being their, their parents' best friend. Exactly. And check yourself to see if you have appropriate uh, natural logical consequences for your child, if you have uh, set appropriate boundaries and limits. Um, nothing wrong with being nurturing and affectionate. My goodness, no. But then if, if you are maybe overreactive sometimes and underreactive other times about the same kind of uh, activity or, or situation, then you might want to check that. Yeah. And, you know, parents think to themselves that they're going to be this kind of permissive parent. Oh, well, you know, my child is going to love and respect the fact that I'm so easy with them and then so forgiving and I don't set these boundaries for them. But really what the child is doing is saying, man, I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. I can get away with this. I can, you know, I can uh, take risks that I, maybe I shouldn't take because I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm not going to get in trouble, you know? Right. And it, and if the parent is successful at keeping them from having other friends, their age in their peer group, then they wind up to some degree infantilizing them because Definitely. they never really learn how to grow and make friends on their own and deal with the consequences and boundaries that their peer group will put on them. Definitely. I would also, I mean, I, I think it is good that you emphasize that, that this is the opposite of being authoritarian, because I'm sure you've heard this from clients as well, that um, if frequently one parent, um, and it's not always the mother or the father, but one parent will be permissive as um, a, a reaction or to, you know, I don't know, save the child almost from the too authoritarian parent who, um, you know, they feel like they've got it so rough over at that house that they're going to um, let the kid just be a kid at their house and let down their hair and all that. And so frequently children will, I, I've been really pretty shocked at how kids will tell me, um, yeah, at that house I have no rules, no, no time to go to bed. I don't have to do my homework. I don't have to do laundry. I don't have to, you know, pick up my, my bedroom. And at the other house, I've got a lot of chores, but I think that's probably better for me. Right. It's like, are you for real? Yeah. Are you feeling okay? But Well, is that, you know, is that feeling safe? Right. You know, there's safety in boundaries, you know? Right. Um, you know, I remember back before we always wore seatbelts, like I never wore a seatbelt as a kid, you know, always laying down on the, in the seat, taking trips. And I'm literally, when I was a child, fell out of the car because I didn't have a seatbelt on and leaning against the door. So, you know, you only have to fall out of the car once or twice before you realize maybe a seatbelt's a good idea. I rolled into the floor sometimes with that, with that, I would lay down in the back seat because I didn't have to share it with anybody and uh, read. And I, you know, 
once or twice, we stepped on, my dad was one of the drivers that followed way too close to the car in front of him. So once in a while, he would slam on the brake and I'd go rolling into the floorboard. So, yep. Yep. So it just takes a few of those before you realize the seatbelt's not that bad of an idea. Some <laughs> restriction on my freedom maybe is, <laughs> makes me more comfortable. Oh, gosh. But, you know, we see this, uh, that contrast that you're describing. We talked about it quite a bit in our step family course because that's the dynamic that occurs when you have, let's say, a step parent who comes into a household with existing yes. children, perhaps her own children, and they impose rules. And they're frustrated, especially if you move into that set parent's home, what was their separate home. And then you move into their home where they have it, how they like it. And now they have these kids running around underfoot and they're really strict. And then the biological parent in that relationship feels bad about the whole thing and becomes more permissive. And so then the set parents, the authoritarian and the biological parents, the permissive. And it's one of the main things that causes some dysfunction trying to put together set families. And and most, you know, intact original families are one of them is more like one of these and one's more like the other one. You know, it 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 really is typical that they're kind of, if not total opposites, at least you know, maybe complementary in their in their styles. Okay. So let's talk about the next type. And and if you're wondering, uh, dear listener, we are moving our way towards the one that you should be. I think from our perspective, we're saving the best for last, saving the best for last. So uninvolved parent. Now this uninvolved parent uh, places low demands on their kids. So that's opposite from authoritarian, but also place low, they have low responsiveness. So they don't demand much and they don't seem to care much. Right. They have low interest in actual parenting. Uh, And and this is, I was reading a really interesting article in the Times this week. Um, the the title hit me, so of course I had to read it. It was called Holiday Man. And it was it was about uh, thicker culture in our country where men pretty much kind of let the women raise the children and they would uh, kind of come and go as they felt and show up on holidays and maybe, you know, with presents or, or some money or whatever. And then uh, the mother and the children wouldn't see the guy again for, I don't know, till the next holiday. And um, it, how it had really set a, a pattern for, uh, that child's life and so forth. It was very, very interesting. And it rang a bell with me because with a lot of my reconciliations, this person has had an interesting pattern of when they show up too. So uh, quite a few of my, um, I'd say as much as 25 to 30% of my reconciliations through the years have been this kind of parenting style. They're just uninvolved. Uh, sometimes they've been incarcerated, sometimes drug addicted, uh, sometimes just uh, they know the kid's in a good place and the other parent's raising them well and they just don't have much interest in being a day-to-day parent, but they would like to show up occasionally and maybe take the child over to their family reunion or Christmas at, at their side of the family and show the child off, you know, yeah, and, exactly. uh, and 
pretty self-absorbed, you know, yeah. just, just light interaction. And what really surprises me because I'm there on the front line with the child and the parent as they're many times seeing each other for the first time in years. And it it's pretty shocking how much the parent thinks the child should receive them just like they saw them yesterday. Right. Or should well, even because, re- remember them. Right. Well, you're, you know, the object you put on the shelf doesn't change when you come back to take it off the shelf next year. It's still the same thing you put up there. But this is a living object. Right, exactly. And it's yeah. growing and changing daily. So more like a chia pet. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So these uninvolved parents, they they have kids. I mean, it's so hard on these kids so that they wind up, you know, not feeling loved or lovable, at least by one right. half of their parent. And so they have all sorts of social issues. They could be acting out. They have low self-esteem, just all of that stuff. And they're the ones who tell the parent when they're finally seeing them after so many years. Um, it's usually their adolescence by now, you know, mm-hmm. and they'll say, look, when I was in elementary school and this is where even kids will reference those different ages and stages like we've talked about in this series. Um, this is where that comes in very practically for kids. So go, you know, when I was in elementary school or, you know, playing soccer you know, in fifth grade or whatever, you know, I, I used to wish I had a dad that could be the coach or, you know, that would at least be the one to take me to my practices and, you know, kick the ball around with me before practice started or something like that. But guess what? I don't care about that anymore. I, I outgrew that. Right. I learned to live without it. Yep. So, well, let's get to the creme de la creme. The one where we hope people wind up, and this is the authoritative parent, uh, which, of course, is the style that I never failed to to exemplify. As I think you actually do a good job of that, at least when I've been around. (laughs) Well, because you've been around. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have I didn't I don't think I quite lived up to this before I got to know you and got to learn. Oh, yeah, I think you did. These authoritative parents, high demands, high responsiveness. When When you hear high demands, you think, oh, I don't know. It's not good to be demanding. But in this context of placing high demands on children, pairing it with high responsiveness, why is that a good thing for kids? Well, I I don't know that I really like that word demand myself. Um, I, I, I think it's expectations. more of a just expectations or, or clear boundaries, you know, clear, clear limits. But yet, lots of supportiveness, you know, in, in achieving those, I, there, there's nothing wrong with having expectations for your child, just support them in achieving it, you know, instead of saying you will make straight A's and then don't do anything toward helping that happen. You know, it's, uh, and I'm not saying straight A's are the best expectation either with any child, because in so many ways, there's a lot of factors that go into play there. But, you know, being, you know, non-punitive, letting, letting the disciplinary things be more about guidance and communication and, and uh, having a good balance between what, how you expect the child to act and uh, how you teach them that those things will be 
you know, naturally and logical uh, with the consequence that there's many times when a parent is not even the one to administer the consequence. Life is just going to do it for you or to you. So I need to guide you in a, in a way that will help you have the best outcomes. Right. Not just today, but in the future. Right. Yeah. Allowing your children to fail sometimes so that they can, can succeed later and let them fail in areas where they won't get hurt. Setting the expectations with them and then giving them the tools to achieve it. Helping them have the internal motivation to want to achieve the goals. And then you just happen to provide some additional praise or reward for it that just is on top of their internal satisfaction. It's kind of right. how I picture it. And one of the things that I know you have done with your son and I think is just so important, especially with our listeners in terms of co-parenting and when you do have the child with you, spend individual time with them. I, th- I think it's great in a, in a, you know, nuclear family anyway, but I, especially when you are um, not with your child 100% of the time, spend some individual time with them, even if it's little bits of time, like, you know, hey, Johnny, I'm going to get gas down here at the corner. Do you want to come with me? Because I'd, I'd like yep. to talk to you about how your day was, you know, and just uh, so that the child knows that you do value them and want to spend time with them on a real frequent, very consistent basis. Yeah. And that's something I think Rebecca has done so well with Aiden is, is forcing him to get in the car. Come on, we're going to the store. Come on, we're going to go to the car wash. And, you know, the first five minutes he's pounding because he just left whatever he's doing. But then after that, opening up, talking, having fun. It just takes a couple minutes to get over that inertia of the fun activity that they're leaving to get to, to the real benefit of that interaction. And that's the way you do that is really not give them a, an option most of the time. Just say, hey, come yep. with me, buddy. And exactly. out the door you go. Because and yeah, a lot of parents kind of do the let sleeping dogs lie thing. You know, they're like, oh, they're in their room having a good time, you know. And uh, it just, it needs to be said in a way that lets them know you're coming with me. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So if you give them an option. They're going to take the easiest route every time. Well, because they're human beings. That's what we do. Right. All right. So authoritarian, uninvolved, permissive. Those are the patterns that we think. Let's try to avoid those. Authoritative is the one that gets the high marks. So, so Linda, any, any last thoughts, Linda, before we wrap up this episode? Well, I hope once again that our listeners will look at it not as, uh, okay, you, you failed the test if you were in one of these three quadrants that are less than desirable uh, from the child's perspective uh, and your long-term uh, relationship with your child. But uh, look at look at maybe some of those things that you could adjust a little bit and do more of the uh, authoritative uh, role where you do. Uh, hopefully you'll hear that we did some very practical things, uh, gave you some practical guidelines on what to do more of there and a little bit less of in the other areas. And I can promise you, uh, you may be thinking, well, my child's already ever how old and I've been like this all their life. So I can't change that now. Oh, yes, you can. You really can. It, they will 
give you some pushback, just like you said, Aiden would about going with his mom, but that will quickly be looked at differently and in a better way when they start to see how well balanced and practical and caring it is. There you go. Great advice. All right, everybody, that is it for today. Join us next week when we round out our fifth of five episodes talking about how to communicate better with your children. And next week's episode, we're going to be discussing how to handle those questions that you're really not supposed to answer about how the legal process is going and uh, what the judge is saying or what the next court date is, how to deal with that. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to leave questions, comments, or concerns, please email podcast at coparentacademy.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.